Mountaintop experiences are powerful, deeply emotional moments in our faith life that fill our souls deeply. And they're moments many of us remember for the rest of our lives. The story that JT just read for us was the original, and in many ways the ultimate, mountaintop experience. It was an unimaginable and unexplainable event, something disciples had never experienced before and would never experience again in their lifetime. So with apologies to Sophia from the Golden Girls, picture it, Galilee near Caesarea Philippi. You are a disciple named Peter, gathered with his beloved rabbi and two other close friends, James and John. It's been a challenging week to be one of Jesus' followers. Only a few, few days before, Jesus told you that sometime soon he is going to suffer and die at the hands of his enemies. You argued that this wasn't true, but he insisted that it would happen. You listened as Jesus told everybody who gathered to hear him that they needed to take up their cross and follow him, and that those who tried to save their life would lose it. You were still trying to make sense of everything, and perhaps looking forward to a quiet day with Jesus, maybe sitting beside a lake enjoying the breeze. Instead, Jesus took you and your two friends on a hike up a remote mountain where you were all alone. By the time you reached the summit, you may have been tired and sweaty and grumbling a bit as you stumbled along. And then suddenly you looked up and, wow, Jesus had transformed. Gone were the sweaty, dusty road clothes. He was dressed in dazzling white, whiter than you had ever seen. What in the world was going on? But that wasn't all. You looked around and suddenly Moses and Elijah were there. Moses, the prophet, the founder of Israel, who had been carried up to heaven thousands of years before and whose story you retold each year at Passover. Elijah, the restorer of Israel, the one who Jews were hoping would return to usher in the Messiah's earthly arrival, the one who had been carried up to heaven in a whirlwind, the one you left the door open for when you celebrated Passover. Moses and Elijah were there in front of you talking to Jesus. And just as you were starting to take this much in, things got even stranger. A cloud rolled in and a voice spoke to Peter and the others saying, this is my son, the beloved, listen to him. And just as suddenly as they'd appeared, Moses and Elijah were gone and Peter and his friends were alone with Jesus again. Imagine the wide eyes, the perplexed faces, the stammering voices. They were astonished and terrified. They had no idea what they had just witnessed or why. But it was clear something big and important had just happened. What they did not understand yet was that their lives would never be quite the same afterward. This Sunday is known as Transfiguration Sunday a time when we reread and reflect on this dramatic story of transformation witnessed in private by just a few of Jesus' disciples. It's an appropriate story for the last Sunday before we enter the Lenten season, of, uh, Lenten season of preparation for the suffering, crucifixion, and resurrection of Jesus. It's a story full of energy and, ex and excitement, and it's a story of preview 
of preparation and of challenge for the disciples and for us as followers of Jesus. On one level, the Transfiguration is a preview, a foretaste of the divine glory to come at the resurrection. It's a vision of the exaltation of Jesus, the first time any of his followers truly saw him as the Christ, the Messiah, the Promised One, the Beloved Son of God, clothed in dazzling white. For us, as we prepare to enter Lent, Transfiguration Sunday is a moment to pause, to observe in childlike wonder as we encounter something we've never seen before and as we embrace the new possibilities. Having seen a preview of the resurrection in this story, how will this Lenten season look different for you? How will you change during this time of preparation to be ready to walk through the suffering of the crucifixion to the joy and wonder of the resurrection? Maybe you're planning a specific way that your life will be changed during Lent by giving up something to practice self-discipline and remind yourself of the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus, or by taking on a new practice such as fasting or a specific type of prayer or giving time or money to an organization that's meaningful to you. Others of you may be simply waiting, moving through Lent as it comes, experiencing this season as a time to remember and reflect on those last days and weeks of Jesus' earthly life. In either case, the Transfiguration gives us a sneak peek, a preview of the glory of the resurrected Christ to come on Easter Sunday. And yet the Transfiguration also prepares us for what we call the paradox of the cross. It's not an accident that Moses and Elijah are the Old Testament prophets who appear in this story. They were two of the prophets who had the strongest influence on the Jewish people. Both of them had had their own mountaintop experiences. Moses was the founder, the one who led the Israelites out of slavery into the wilderness, the one who encountered God on another mountaintop and received the law. Elijah denounced the Canaanite people's worship of the god Baal instead of Yahweh and encountered God at the top of Mount Horab. Both Moses and Elijah opposed the power structures of the world around them. Both suffered for their faith and both were vindicated by God. At the end of his life, Elijah did not die, but was carried directly into heaven by a whirlwind. Some Jewish traditions believe that Mo Moses also did not die because nobody could find the spot where his body was buried, but was instead carried up directly into heaven. At the moment of transfiguration, Jesus was in the presence of two of the greatest leaders of the Jewish people. And yet, when the voice of God spoke from the cloud, God spoke only of Jesus, the Son of God, the Beloved. In this moment, God's voice was elevating Jesus above both Moses and Elijah, a message that his followers still did not yet understand. And yet the paradox was that Jesus, the beloved Son of God, would not be carried directly into heaven in the same way as Moses and Elijah were. Jesus had already told his followers at this point and would continue to tell them that he would experience the suffering, torture, and death of the cross. 
Many of those who heard him, including Peter, did not believe that this suffering was necessary. But unlike the disciples, those of us who live in a post-resurrection world recognize the pain and suffering that must come first before the resurrection. And so, at the same time that the Transfiguration reminds us of the glory to come on the third day, it also reminds us of the road that we must travel with Jesus during the season of Lent, a road that leads to the cross. And at the same time, the story of the Transfiguration offers us a challenge. The voice of God in the cloud directed Peter, James, and John to listen to him, meaning Jesus. Most of Mark's gospel presents the disciples as sort of clueless. They listened to Jesus, they saw the healing, the exorcisms, they heard the praise that others gave him, and some of them even saw him transfigured into dazzling white clothes in the company of Moses and Elijah. And yet they didn't really understand. Time and time again, the disciples failed to recognize that Jesus was the promised Son of God, that they were in the presence of the divine. They missed cues because they were not alert to the work of God in Jesus. In some ways, the very cluelessness of the disciples makes God's declaration even more powerful and important. This is the Son of God, the, the Beloved, listening to him. Listen to him. God was calling them and us to active listening, not just passive hearing. It was and is a call to become witnesses, to embrace and embody what they saw and heard. And today, more than 2,000 years later, we are still called to listen to Jesus, to live by his words, and to live out his message by reaching out to care for those most in need of care, community, and connection. Mountaintop experiences can be powerful and memorable. They can fill us with energy, set our hearts on fire to spread the good news, and give us a push when we need it. But mountaintop experiences may also stir us to do new things, which can be scary. We saw some of that fear in Peter when he witnessed the transfiguration. He was understandably terrified. And his solution was to build three dwellings for Jesus, Moses, and Elijah, to create a safe place where he and James and John could stay forever with these most important prophets of his faith. Peter wanted to stay on the mountaintop to feel safe and to preserve the transfiguration experience just for himself and James and John. Unfortunately, we sometimes do the same thing in our churches. We set up conditions and expectations around worship, around how people look or dress, or what they must believe in order to participate. These conditions may feel safe to us, but they actually restrict our celebrations of Christ only to people just like us. The problem is that Christ's love and grace is not just for us, for our friends, or people just like us. We can't keep Christ for ourselves. We are called to spread Christ's good news from our doorsteps to the ends of the earth. And so the real work begins once the mountaintop experience is over. When we leave the closing circle at Camp Christian, when we exit the labyrinth, 
when the stirring sermon is over, it may be hard to return to the ordinary everyday world. It may be tempting to try to stay on the mountaintop, to hold on to that powerful experience. But it's in that trip back down the mountain, filled with the light of the transfigured Jesus, that it's time to be bold, to use our excitement and inspiration to do new things for God in a world that desperately needs God's love and grace. Amen. <laughs>